Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching. And, you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal-breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444. That's how you do it.
All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, connecting back again today with uh, my good buddy, and uh, I'd call you former best man, but there's not like a newer, so <laughs> Steve Holland. No, yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, yeah, man, how's it going? I don't it's think good. we haven't really bumped into you once or twice in town, but haven't really nope. had a chance to connect since... Since our seasons this year? Since, yeah, since way before, you know, everything's... <laughs> Just yeah. so damn busy, and you've been busy, so... For sure. I mean, I literally just got back to town, guiding, hunting, regular work, vacation, home. So, yep. but... Just in time to start doing it again. <laughs> I actually, I was talking to, talking to a, hopefully a future client um, on the way in, so... Nice. I got a, I was scheduled to... Did I tell you I was scheduled to do my guide license? Huh? Um, uh, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Oh, your, like, test panel Correct. thing that you right. got to do? So I got approval for that. I would sent all that paperwork in in, eight, in August before the sheep season started. And with unreliable air, airfare, air, air service anymore, and the weather in December, I had to be back in Fairbanks on the 8th. No yeah. question about it. So I called down to them, Thomas Bay, the head of that big game commercial services board, and kind of explaining. He goes, hey, man, I was just about to call you, too. We have 20 people signed up with only 18 seats. So this will work out good if you don't mind taking your test in March, which yeah. it didn't change anything for me. He was just going to ask me as a favor. I'd, I guess I was the first guy to get all my paperwork in. So I wasn't oh, going nice. to be asked to leave, but yeah. it made it helped them out. So. Nice. But anyway, yeah, I um, I test for that, and hopefully I'll have that in hand uh, real soon. There um, you go, yeah, you got some whisker scratch. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, uh, I'll have that there, so. Nice. Um, and then you'll be fully registered. Yeah, yeah, registered guide for um, state of Alaska. Nice. So, um, I'm just sheep, grizzlies, uh, caribou, goats what I plan to do i don't know where i'm gonna specifically go i have a couple ideas here uh, i'm testing for unit 20 unit 26 and unit 9 yeah which obviously it's the areas i've spent the most time in yeah because you've been i mean you've been doing at least assistant guiding for longer than longer than i've known yeah <laughs> yeah 20 years i think oh four is when i got my first license yeah so and uh been here 24 years it'll be here in april so nice yeah the time's really adding up speaking Shoot, of time yes. time adding up the other well i was i was helping uh move uh like a mattress for my mom something my mom needed moved and i saw a little box of my old nintendo 64 in there <laughs> <laughs> and i a few games i grabbed that and brought it home yeah. and i'll fight you know Mark, we don't don't let our kids play video games or just like haven't gotten yeah. video games for them to play probably a good thing um so far yet and they were like what the hell have we been missing <laughs> you know <laughs> and i'm like oh man this is a blast from the yeah this is a blast from the past yeah i would i'd tell you mine would my video games would be the atari stuff yeah. so <laughs> that's even dating me even more there so yeah no I, I i i really was even as a kid not into it much yeah so um well, the more time you can just be out doing stuff. And yeah, I think that's 
I, oh, I know that's what mine was when I, my, my kid, my childhood was outside doing stuff or paper routes or mowing lawns or it didn't matter. You know, I didn't have, yeah. and that was all new back in the, you know, I grew up in the eighties. So yeah. And, uh, anyway, but yeah, I, um, you guys, you had, had a pretty tough, a pretty tough sheep season this year, huh? Oh boy. Was it tough? <laughs> you know, kind of. Backstory: I had, um, you know, I'm I'll be 53 this year, so you hit that. I mean, I really felt it about 47, 48. Yeah, I mean, things just start breaking down. I didn't <laughs> think it would happen, but my knees really started bothering me. I mean, it was just just like that click overnight type deal, and um, a couple hyper extensions I'd done on sheep hunts, yeah. fully loaded pack. Just sliding on a trail. I mean, I can remember where it was and when the, the mm-hmm. 2019 Chugach hunt. And uh, sliding and just, you know. Bam. You know, just brings you down to the down to the ground. Because, you know, walk it off type deal. So I had an, a, I had that going on. That was in, tw- that was the first time I really felt it. 2021 brown bear hunt. It just ached. But nothing really bad. Mm-hmm. And then I had a workplace injury, getting onto a, a helicopter. The back ramp was down. It was running. Jumping out of helicopters without parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. But it lurched forward, you know, as I was yeah. getting up onto the deck and hyperextended, full Ooh. backpack on, and just that was the worst. I mean, it, I went, hit the deck. I crawled. I crawled on my hands and knees because I could not walk up to the oh, jump man. seat. Stayed in the jump seat for like four hours, finished the mission, crawled off the airplane, and drove home. And I drove home because it was uh, on my left leg. And, and my you right could was, use your right. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if I was trying to sit in the passenger seat, it was a no-go. Oh, man. So, But uh, I had some surgery, you know, and they just clean out type thing on your meniscus he cleaned it out did that you know because that that was an acute injury that happened you know and Mm -hmm. that really that i the doctor told me yeah you can have this kind of stuff go on and then something will spur it and then it's all downhill from there when they cleaned it up and uh it was last november was my first surgery uh i did my uh right leg and uh a month later, it was healed up real no problem. Doctor yeah. went in and exactly a month later and did my left leg. Went down to the Wild Sheep Show in Reno, came back, and I had developed an infection that turned to a MRSA infection. Hmm. I spent eight days in the hospital in Jan- this time last year in January. So back to the sheep hunt, you know, I, you know, I recovered from it pretty quick. Um, but if somebody would have told me, Steve, you're going to have to walk 62 miles, not knowing if you're going to kill something or not, yeah, you're going to walk 62 miles on this hunt this year. If somebody would have said that to me the day before we left, I know damn well my client wouldn't have went. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he told me he wouldn't have. And, um, man, it, it was – but all said and done, it actually helped out. I mean, there was no question that that – the amount of mileage, yes. Yeah. Just 
really well, I remember out. you've always, even like, you know, the days we were hunting together all the time, like you were always very careful about how much weight you would carry. Um, yeah, under 70, nothing over 70. I, it's still this day, nothing over 70 pounds. Yeah. I don't care if it's a half a mile. Yeah. yeah. I'll do two trips. Um, and I still have that to this. Actually, I've kind of lowered that into the 60s. I just would, I think I can do easier doing two trips, one being completely yeah. empty. And, uh, but yeah, it was a very, very tough season this year. Um, we had, as you know, some horrible weather for fire, burning fires up yeah. in the Yukon. Yeah. That, 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 um, a lot of the state was like that. Yeah. They, and they, it seems like August normally that shit's kind of flushed out. Right. But we've hunted that area for, since 07 on and off, but mainly 07, yeah. you know. I can only remember one year going up with you that I even smelled. Yeah, smoke. I remember that year. Yeah, you know, we just that was oh nine. Yeah, I think that was the first year yeah. I had brought you into the, that area, and this year it wasn't bad when we landed. The very next day it turned, and uh, I talked the guy that I worked for into going up a little early. Um. This client wanted to go up. He had caribou, um, grizzly, and a sheep tag. And he was actually my first client that I guided for um, when I started working for this dude back in 2018. Mm -hmm. Successful hunt, all three animals. And he was pretty excited about it, and so was I. And we landed, I think, was it the fifth we landed? I don't remember. I remember sixth. texting back and forth with yeah, you. Because we'd seen you the day before yeah, in sports. I saw you in town. And uh, we got up there, and the, the next day we left. You know, I, That was the 7th. We left out on the 7th, mm-hmm. hiking to our area, which I had like 10 miles I had to go to is what I figured I wanted to get to. To where you started, would start really hunting hard? Actually, not, not 10 aerial miles, but 10 walking miles, mm-hmm. you know, because... I used to only count GPS miles, but then you'd get clients who had their, you know, iPhone set up with some kind of Onyx, whatever. They started, you know, calling out the actual mileage. So it was about 10 miles it was going to be to the spot that we where I'd killed a ram the year before. And uh, we were about three quarters of the way there and seeing a beautiful grizzly. I mean, <laughs> and this... This guy wanted a high seven grizzly. Yeah. Which Arctic grizzly is just a high seven grizzly in that area would be like a 10 and a half foot uh, coastal brown bear. Yeah. They're there, but they're very rare. Mm. I mean, these bears up there are high five sixes of them. That, that's that's what they are. Yeah. And I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Where they're just, they got a short growing season, not a lot of food. They're always on the move. So yeah, that means keeps them pretty around. small. And then generations and generations, the genetics of them have kept them small. There's some bears that are big up there. Mm-hmm. No question about it. But this was a good boar. And, uh, you know, if we were if we were only grizzly hunting, he'd have been dead on a doornail. Yeah. But day one, we had, we had we were maybe four hours from base camp, three quarters of the where, area where I wanted to get to. And he, I told him, no, he's not going to make six, seven. He's not going to make seven foot. Yeah. End of story. And he elected to pass on him. And 
that was the last animal that I saw until the tenth. Last animal. Wow. And uh, it the eighth, the no, the ninth. It started just the smoke started coming in. Mm. I, to this day, I'm still coughing up that shit. Jeez. <laughs> and you know when you're working hard and you know oh, huffing you're... and puffing, going in the mountain and, and that stuff. And on the tenth, I I ranged. I, I didn't use my rangefinder because it wouldn't work. But I paced it off 200 yards all I could see. Wow, that's nuts. And that was midday the 9th through the 11th. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I tried to go up, you know, to try to get out of it. Down. I mean, it did not matter. So we elected it. I mean, this country was absolutely, it was some of the best looking ram country I've ever been in. And there hadn't been a footprint in this area I mean, I, I have an idea who hunts here and whatnot. Yeah. And I've come into this area two different times. And believe it or not, I still have, there's still those those boot prints of mine in 2020. Yeah. 21, 19, or 19 are still still there. You can see your boot prints. Still. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're into this mud, this yeah, clay the, mud that's yeah. up there, and it's has stayed. You know, that area is kind of a, a desert. You know, they just doesn't get a lot of moisture and whatnot. And I only used to have to go about a mile and a half up this drainage and you know, kill your ram and then out you go, right? Yep. I walked into country that I had never, I, I don't think anybody had been into. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you when, how hmm. long it's been. And uh, no evidence of anybody being in there. Not that, that, you know, that that's not something that you for sure say, you know, people don't leave a lot of shit up there, but... There just wasn't anything, you know, no, no, no boot tracks, no nothing up in there. So in not seeing anything, it just blew me away. I mean, I was like, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah. And, um, I did, I did see a, I think seven sheep in there, Mm -hmm. no rams, seven. And then we, I ended up seeing another good grizzly in there and, um, really good hide grizzly. But again, that's the 11th. Day after sheep season, it's like yeah, the now, quickest way to ruin your screw up your sheep hunt. Now I'm like, let's you know, that's definitely not going to be. It's a better hide than the bear you got last time, but it's not going to be bigger. Mm-hmm. And I, I could tell he wasn't wanting to shoot it either, so we passed on that bear and continued hunting and got right up to the continental divide. And our concession ends on that, so I can't hike over the divide. Mm-hmm. As much as I wanted to look down in the other, you know, it wasn't any point if I'd have brought the client over there and like, well, there's a bunch, you know, and we can't hunt there. Yeah. We're just on a, you know, that would have just, you know, so I don't even, don't even do that. And, uh, but he got right up to divide, couple, couple big loops up on it, two more drainages over. And I think we came out on the 14th. So we had almost seven, seven days. We were down to of no food yeah. left. And I had, I think we had seen seven, maybe eight, maybe nine sheep. Not one single ram. Not one. It was demoralizing. Yeah. So I said, okay, Scott, let's, uh, let's get back to camp. We'll uh, get a good night's sleep there, load up everything, go out in the morning. We'll go up to this you know, other country that I, I've hunted before. And um, 
we got there and uh, got loaded up and I did not see a sheep for 72 hours. Even up that thing. Jeez. And it was, I finally seen five rams. One, the closest legal was about an inch and a half from full curl. And uh, we put on some mile. I mean, we went from one side of our concession, one border of yeah. it, to the other. Wow. Again, some of the more narrow portions of that border, mm-hmm. but I had buddies texting me who were hunting in you know the, the the range that was right next to our concession, the northern portion of our concession, just on the other side. And when I was at that on the Continental Divide, <clears throat> I think we we're thirty two miles, air miles mm-hmm. away, <coughs> and um, we made it within four miles of them when I was after we went got to camp then hiked up the drainage again and we were about four miles from where they were where they were at Fairbanks guys here yeah. buddies of mine here so and they had seen a bunch of sheep over there you know not huge mm-hmm. but I, we did I just I just couldn't believe it it's tough. Well, that reminds me of our, our Mount Harper trip, like walking for a week before we saw a sheep. <laughs> Is it that, I mean, I don't think you can. It, I mean, it's different. Until you actually do that, it doesn't set in how demoralizing it is. Yeah. And <laughs> as a guide, bringing the dude in there, it's paid a lot of when money. When it's not just you that you're worried. Yeah, it's right. more, yeah, I, it's I, more I, stressful. Oh, my gosh. The amount of pressure that's on me is just sometimes unbearable at, at times, you know. And it wasn't like we were passing sheep up or, oh, look at them, you know. It, it, yeah. It, there was nothing. I I couldn't make heads or tails of it because I didn't find any evidence of a winter kill. You know, I wasn't finding, you know, skulls or of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I did find a couple, but nothing anymore. Out of normal, normal than, yeah. yeah, and nothing, but, um, you know, I, I didn't take my rain jacket out the entire hunt. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's how hot it was. Yeah. Um, I guess back that up. I did one night just for keeping the wind off me, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I didn't get any, no rain, no, um, so it was hot as ever. Yeah. And we had... What smoke? It started clearing out, but I guess. Um, and then the other guy, the other uh, guide that was in camp that I share a camp with up at this upper camp, they killed one ram, and yeah. had said, you know, when they were back, that there might, and that's a big if, might be another legal ram in there. We looked at him a long time, we just didn't get a good angle on him, and you know. I, that's t- that's a, that's a pretty big if when you're considering you know how many miles you might have to walk to go find yes. him. I am convinced that because he was in there the next week because I came home. I only was only going to do one hunt. Yeah, he hunted up there with an, another client, a, a woman from Washington State, and they hiked around for eleven days. Man, it's even seen less sheep than I did. Hmm. The weather was a lot harder that on that hunt. Yeah, all the rain that. Uh, we didn't get yeah. <laughs> came during his hunt, and uh, there was a couple good caribou I'd seen back in there. But who want? I mean, you know, my, my client wasn't interested in bringing a caribou at out ten miles. Yeah. Boone and Crockett, without question. 
but he just didn't, you know, I expect them to carry their share out and they know that they're, they're yeah. part of it. They didn't, they didn't hire a Packer. So they know that and that's, they're in for that and they know that, but you know, caribou's two trips easy. Yeah. Oh, so for sure. We, uh, we came out and we hunted hard every single day. And, uh, so I, I know that we gave it all, but that was my first hunter that did not get a shot opportunity on his primary animal, other than I had one archery hunter. Yeah. In 2020. And um, he could have gotten a, a good ram uh, with his rifle uh, day one because we killed a ram off the same rock in 2019. Yeah. So, um, but he ended up coming back in 21, 22, last year. Last year in 22 and killed a good ram. That's actually where I was going to. Oh. <laughs> that that first, on the 7th, I was yeah. planning to just go right to where Matt killed his ram at. And it's beautiful country. It's tough. Yeah. But um, just nothing. And uh, I went into the opposite end of the state. I think I said 600 miles on my GP, or my uh, inReach. And uh, I... There was one legal ram in the group, and I could tell he was well not this is well on a personal hunt. Personal hunt, yeah, yeah. The second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth of September, somewhere yeah. in there, you know. Um, and it was just before I had a couple buddies coming up to do a moose hunt, mm-hmm. and I've, I I planned a week hunt and into an area that a couple buddies had flown in the summer, and there was some you know, decent amount of sheep in there. And I said, well, heck, I'll give it a try. I've always wanted to come down there. And uh, I, I think it was 640 miles, air miles from where I was in the my guiding area. Yeah. But um, I had taken my dog with me. And uh, I'd always wanted to get a lab for companion hunting, you know, carrying a backpack and whatnot. And this is my first year bringing him out. And he did really good. You know, and I'd brought him out on the trail ahead of time and, you know, throughout the summer and he carries his backpack real well and, you know, little canine packs or, you know, I, yeah. I got, I put like game bags, the jet boil, jet boil fuel, stuff that some dog, some food hit all his stuff, food. Yep. Yeah. His little dog blanket and a, um, a little pad that he lays down on everything that you know, because he runs into shit on the side, and yeah. I don't want anything damaged, so it's no, I don't put optics or anything yeah. like that stuff. And um, this dog thinks he is 10 feet tall and bulletproof. <laughs> you know, chases after these big bull moose that come in the yard, and my biggest fear is a freaking grizzly. Yeah, him just thinking that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know for a fact he's going to, you know, try to charge them until... You know, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. So, I got these three rams. I actually saw them from the road. <laughs> so I am glassing these things from the road, and uh, I'm watching these, and I'm like, "What the hell is that?" And there's four grizzlies, all in like a big triangle, and I'm like, "That's that's a sow and three big cubs." Yeah. I mean, huge. Yeah, like the I mean, when they're like two and a half years old. Yes, they're like almost as big old, as yeah. she is. Yeah. And I'm like, well, shit. They're in between me. They're, they're right in between the rams. I'd have to walk right in between them. 
And, and you, it's worth it best get you end up spooking them, you know, or yeah, the spooking the sheep yeah, or spooking you know the grizzlies and having them blow the sheep out or. And uh, I didn't even want to deal with that, so I watched them. It, it, I don't think I would have shot the ram anyway. I mean, it just wasn't what I was looking. He was a legal yeah. ram. Um, you know, I'd have checked that that mountain range off because I haven't killed a ram out of there. But um, I. I watched them, and they stayed in that similar that same area for a bit. So, but um, I came out, and that was that. Uh, did a uh, um, a trip with my buddies up a uh, one of the northern rivers for moose, and did that was a good hunt. Nice. <laughs> it could have been an actually phenomenal hunt. <laughs> we had a. Uh, I scouted this. I went up two different times in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And kind of knew where I was going to go up there. And uh, I'm using this um, striker boats out of British Columbia. Uh, the like same tunnel, concept. Tunnel of, jet inflatable. Correct. Same concept as the Russian solar boats, yeah. but made in British Columbia. Which, as far as quality goes, there's not even comparison between the quality nice. of the two. And dealing with them compared to Russians, I, it's, <laughs> it again, it, it was awesome. And I up, ended up getting a um, same motor you run, a Mercury that forty, uh, to, 40 yep, from right reads, yeah. And uh, and uh, he, I, I go in there. I, I was in there about half a dozen times, you know, throughout the time getting the boat set up. You know, I didn't buy the boat from him, just the motor. Yeah. And I went in there with a Tundra talk, you know that. Uh, the Super Cub shirt. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, you're a friend of Tyler's? I go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been telling, re- like, every, every time I go in there, I'm like, to, I'm like, yeah, you got to come on the podcast sometime. Yeah. You know, he's got some sheep hunting stories from yeah. what I hear. And he's yeah. very knowledgeable, yeah. nice dude. And uh, anyways, uh, I'm going to get another uh, striker boat this year. They were supposed to do a, a straight-up tunnel design. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be released last year. It didn't. I ended up getting there. Pro 500, which is almost a 17-foot, 4,500-pound load. I mean, this thing was... A, well, I mean, it's prob- probably actually has, has a higher 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 payload than my aluminum 16-foot oh, boat. <laughs> oh, they do. They, I mean, they do, just air chambers. Just, yeah. I mean, the, the amount that they do is unbelievable. But I ran that boat a bunch. I got about 200 hours on it this nice. year. And, you know, by the end of the year, we were... I was at full throttle... Down river, three dudes, all of our gear, a big bull moose in six inches of water. That's full pretty step. impressive. <laughs> so, and uh, looked like a human popsicle with the, I mean, we hit that 23, 24 degrees oh, yeah. and just water <laughs> splashing up on you. And by the time you're 30 miles up this river and the time you get to the boat ramp, you are just, ice is just falling off. Yeah. So, that. You know, that was a really good hunt this year. So I plan to do something similar. I'm not going to go to the exact same one, but on as meant to say, on, on that first morning, you know, these guys come up and we had been camped right on one of the boundary borders. And literally our, our uh, camp was cut in half by that, um, by the Archer Corridor. Oh, I mean, it ran right through our, right through our lean to because we do a lean to and then we put our tents underneath mm-hmm. it. And, uh, but having a situation to where everything you're looking at 
is all in the rifle area. Mm-hmm. So it was like about that time of year, seven seven oh five. It's starting to get light. So I was up, made some coffee, and we'd called, you know, off and on pretty much all night long. And we, um, they, these other my buddies weren't awake yet. And as soon as I could see, I got out and I'm like, "Shit, that looks like a bull over there, or it looks like a moose." And I put the binos up. Sure enough, big. He he is actually one of the bigger bulls. Not width-wise. Boone and Crockett with the Hedemade made book. Wow. One of these ones, he was probably 65, 67, right in that. Maybe approaching 70. So when you say not huge width-wise, he was a big bull width-wise, but also big paddles and stuff. Oh, wide and yeah. long paddles. Long. I mean, just everything to make book. And he didn't have, you know, like, I think he had three or four brow tines, but... Not one of these ones. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Those eye-popping bulls that are just, that may not make book, but they're mid-70s. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. But not wide paddles. Not, not from long. seeing them in person, but from, <laughs> from pictures. Yes. You killed some good bulls. So, <laughs> But I had him at 289 yards. I had my rifle out on a, on a tripod. Yep. And trying to get these guys, you know... They're hardcore hunters, but when you're waking dudes up out of a sound sleep, you know, trying to get their glasses on to see, and um, <laughs> you should have just shot him. <laughs> oh, I already know they said I should have. You know, hey, you should have just shot him. And I'm like, you know, I, I just, I did. I was wanting to get them yeah. to get a bowl first. Then the next morning, I was the one sleeping in. <laughs> Not sleeping in. Let's just. Yeah. I, I want to make take that back. I'm not sleeping you're in. Still but, asleep at first light. <laughs> right, but you're in the hunting area. Yeah. And here's this. I figured him in the low fifties. You know, legal bull. These guys are non-residents, so it's a fifty or four area. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're hardcore archery hunters. And we're out of the corridor. As you say, the thing split right across the thing and it's a draw tag anyway in that yeah. area you can't it's not over the counter so but they were wanting to kill a bull with their bow in the in the rifle corridor or in the rifle area there's this bull and right across the river from us 62 yards away <laughs> and they're waking me you know because they're trying to judge yeah. 50 inches i'm like I, I, i'm like they're like steve get up we got one right across the river so i get up i'm like why in the fuck didn't you shoot him? <laughs> well, we weren't sure. I'm like, he's well past 50. <laughs> so they, he got, they were trying to get him with a bow, but he walked into an area to where they couldn't get a shot at him. And then he got out about 90 yards and just kept walking away. And just, we couldn't get a good, good beat on him. Yeah. And, uh, and didn't. And then we changed rivers and I killed a bull up there. Um, I don't know what, I guess it was the 24th or 23rd, almost the last day of the season. Nice. And uh, got him out, and that was the my moose hunt with these guys. They had an awesome hunt. Yeah, I mean, good. And um, um, seeing two black wolves on the Hull Road, just about 30 miles south. Of, I mean, it was 
it was to a point that I'm like, oh, maybe there's a camp, somebody's camping just off because their yeah. dog is out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's what he just, yeah. they were right in the middle of the row and, and, and never saw him again. That was a pretty cool thing to see, though. Yeah, there's still one. There's still a gray one up there laughing at me somewhere years oh. ago. Like, this was 2009, I think. Oh, yeah. I just went up with my dad for a weekend up to go caribou hunt, you know, chase caribou around and. We didn't see a whole lot of them, but uh, we, uh, on the way back, and I was shooting a, com- a shooting had a compound at the time, and on the way back, he, uh, we come over a rise, and there was a wolf in the distance standing right in the middle of the road. Yep. And he, of course, trots off the road, and we're like, slow down anyway, pull to stop. The thing is like, he's messing with something like 15 yards off the road in the trees. You saw him still? Oh, yeah. He was standing oh, there. Oh, wow. And I literally, my dad's like, my compound was behind the seat. He's like, use my bow, you know, and it's recurve. So I grab his recurve and I'd been shooting it a little bit. I could shoot it okay, but literally get out of the truck, step off the road and the thing's just standing there staring at me and missing by like a foot. Yeah. <laughs> and he just ran off, trotted off, didn't run. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's all right. I've had, I've had lots of embarrassing moments in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, uh. I did it. Then, let's see, went down to the States, uh, visit my folks. I always try to do a um, a hunt, you know, mule deer or mm-hmm. um, elk hunt, and I ended up doing an elk hunt that year. I couldn't get in there as early as I wanted. And um, so uh, deer season had closed, did an elk hunt, brought my dog back on that, did all, he did, again, I was very impressed with this dog this year, you know, and uh, the last day of the season, the last five minutes, I mean, I passed on a few bulls there, and I could have could have taken them, and uh, came back from that, um, and then went on my second time doing this a Kodiak boat based hunt. Mm-hmm. Oh man, have you done one of those? Uh, sort of. When I was at that, I mean, that lodge on a Fognac. Okay, working there. I mean, it was a lodge based boat hunt, right. so pretty cush. So. But yeah, the difference between that and uh, camping in a tent on the beach. Yeah, they. Um, so I'm on the southern end of the island, which is anybody who's been to Kodiak. There, it's a world of difference between the Fognac end mm-hmm. and all the way down at Olga Bay end. Yeah, I mean, just the geography is night and day. And, you know, we're out there hunting, and some of this stuff that looks like you were in like eastern Wyoming. I mean, I used to antelope mm-hmm. hunt out in that area, and you, I mean, that's what it is. It's just, I can see, you know, 10 miles, you know, across the flats out to the ocean. And, uh, I, I seen 350 deer down there for that. I had, you know, I just want to want to shoot one deer down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had three permits, but I just didn't need a whole lot of, so I was really looking to get a good buck and, uh, I passed 75 bucks and, I knew weather was coming in, and I'm like, all right, today I've got to get something. And I, I killed a really good buck the last the last day I could probably hunt down nice. there for weather-wise. And he was a he's a 3 by 2 with huge eye guards. He would have been a 3 by 3 but he had busted off. Gotcha. You know, and his uh, main beams come around and almost touch. That's and awesome. Heavy, heavy, heavy. And uh, It's like so, the white-tailed deer I passed down in Kansas that was... I don't know if he was quite 
would have been quite as big as this deer. I maybe, I mean, maybe he would have scored bigger, right? Because he was a this, is this deer I got hanging out here from Alberta, but he was. Uh, I'll show you a picture when we're done. But uh, was a, a ten point or you know, as whitetail hunters, it'd be a ten point, right? But had really tall, really tall brow tines, but had like four. He had four points of his big long points busted off. Yeah, um, one off one ant, antler and. Was it three or four points busted off? He had a bunch. He would. He kind of looked. I was just like, I can't. It was the first day. I was like, I would not feel good about myself shooting that deer the first yeah. day. <laughs> Maybe if he was intact, but yeah, it seemed like kind of a waste. So uh, anyway, yeah. I um, and then we did some uh, waterfowl hunting, some ptarmigan hunting. I had a um, subsistence crab license that we did. Uh, tanner crabs, snow crabs. It, nice. it was just fun. Every, I mean, there was always something. And we, I was on the boat over Thanksgiving, so the boat captain had special meal for that. And cool. And the, everybody I went with, two of the guys were from did the moose hunt with me. So oh, cool. We had a really good trip, and uh, and then I went down to the Caribbean for three weeks, and just getting back home, back to work, and you know, start the new year off. Yep. <laughs> so, well, I'd like to say you missed out on a bunch of cold weather, but it hasn't been too bad. No, it hasn't been at all. I it's mean, uh, everybody. Well, it's in you know everyone's. I think I think down the Chugach has gotten a lot more snowfall than normal, but yeah, it's pretty. I don't know. I think it's pretty normal here. Yeah, kind of a mild winter, and you know we've been getting a lot of wind lately. Which I mean, yeah, last night. If it you're was, thinking about the sheep, if it's windy, that's good for them for sure. As long as it's not raining or something. But speech, I got to show you this meme. I saw someone post <laughs> today. It's a bunch of skulls, like you know, man, woman, white, black, poor, rich. It's all human skulls, and the last one's like <laughs> an ape skull, and it says, "Guys who think goats are cooler than sheep." <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I. What a curious uh, your outlook on the whole this. I think this year upcoming board of game meetings year is is looking to be a shit show with, as expected, a ton of proposals around sheep. And it's the th- and that I mean I've probably told you for years. I think the thing that's going to screw up our sheep hunting opportunity is people being stupid. And doing stupid ass proposals, just keep funneling stupid proposals in until until, until they're like, all right, well, we're just going to do something, and then you know, like they're just there's just nothing that's going to fix the sheep situation overnight. And I, being optimistic, I do have faith that eventually, like, it's gonna rebound and come back. You know, I mean, it's there's no human caused really element to the way to the way the the sheep population is and same thing like right now um and there's so there's so much of the stuff to even keep track of the the Kotzebue board game meetings where they it was uh the same it said northwest arctic um regional advisory council which I think that's the subsistence count, the federal subsistence advisory council, the same one that did that pushed the federal or on paper pushed the federal closures right up there had one to close all all unit twenty three caribou for non residents, and then it was well it's listed as the caribou working group right, 
with the chair. I don't know if it's just the chair on behalf of them, what, what the deal is with them, like trying to close all non-resident stuff. And they do have a couple of proposals for, uh, like reducing the bag limit from like five per day. I think it's five caribou per day with like an eight month cow season to four total with only one can be a cow, which I guess that would do something, but it's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so dumb, you know, yeah. it's just the same like anti outsider mentality. Um, For sure. You know, and I, well, before, before the federal closures, non-residents were only killing, like 250 bulls a year since 2016, you know, which is like one, I did the numbers like one and a half to two and a half percent of the harvest. And, uh, yeah, I don't get they, that one there. No, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. I mean, it, it, it's not logical from a herd numbers concern standpoint, you know, if there's any, and I'm not even sure that any like real like hunter harvest is, holding that herd back that we know of, you know, I don't think there's a lot, you know, there's always some like point hope type cases that stuff like that happens sometimes, but I don't, I think that's pretty abnormal. Right. I mean, and even the, the bios say there's not any one factor that they think is really, it's just like the cow survival rate isn't good. And the the herd's like going back down off of all time high. Right. You know? So, and I mean, that's just sort of those, just, those caribou herds seem to just never be stable for very long. They're either growing or shrinking. Yeah, they never plateau off for any, more than a few years. Correct. Yeah. And it's we're doing one thing or the other, jumping up or diving down. Yeah. And well, and even the thing like they're not they they aren't showing up in places that they have been for the last twenty years because there's a lot fewer of them, and they weren't showing up there back in 1975 when there was 75,000 yeah. of them either. But you get you you know you get used to, and I understand it. You get used to seeing them run behind your house every year for for however many years, and then when they stop, like yeah, it's a concern. But the thing in I guess it goes for sheep too. The thing that concerns me, like people want to just screw with stuff. They got all these cockamamie ideas about like. It's like, if you're going to do something, do something that's going to be meaningful or have right. some sort of like arguable, My My thing on the thing. sheep, I, you look at these board of game proposals and I've been watching these things for two decades now. Yeah. And look, I, out in 19C, I don't know what your view is on it. I seen a problem out there that. How do I say this? I'm in the outfitter side too, but I'm also a resident first. Yeah. I just didn't see a lot of these outfitters. In fact, I heard them. You know, I go to the Wild Sheep Show every year and I look at some of these outfitters there and most of them are a bunch of non-resident outfitters coming up here. Oh, I've got bills to pay or whatnot. Selling, when they, selling 12, 13 sheep permits, sheep hunts, that they know damn well. They're not going to fill them all. They're not even going to, it's, they're not going to see, you know. Yeah, that two, I think that yeah, that's a pro. In two rams, they kill. You know, they're successful killing two rams, and they had twelve clients. Yeah, selling these hunts for it's all about the damn money. That yeah. it, it drives me crazy, and the outfitters were not going to police themselves out there. Yeah, I. 
personally, I didn't have a, I didn't have an issue with the way they what they did at 19C this year. I don't know if that's going to hang around because yeah. there's so much money and stuff involved with it. But um, when these you know are doing that, I, I just don't think they were you know well, looking at the I resources think, right. Yeah, and I think I mean because that like that's that's a something I take issue with is when there are some outfitters that do that where they'll sell way more hunts than they they know. You know it's not some... fair to the, it's not fair to the client to do yeah, that, I'm, and it's not. But I think I think like my my hesitation is what doors does it open with the state doing that for the feds or, or whoever else to then be like have a precedence be like oh so you do admit that that hunting is I having a part I, of the decline and that's not like that's just not something like you got to be either I, either <laughs> you got to either you got to be one way or another it's not yeah. like you can I just I, I just seen I just. The full curl management has worked. I don't know if it's the end all be all. I just don't know yeah. that. But when you, there is a reduction in the amount of, we both know that, the amount yeah. of sheep that's out there. And do we really want to, I get accused, well, you don't like non residents. I go, that's not at all. Yeah. I actually want to make sure these non residents that come up here are being told the truth. Mm-hmm. And when you have, in some places, an eighty percent reduction in the amount of legal rams, but you're selling the same amount of permits. You've got twelve guys times the amount of outfitters in this area not reducing their amount. All these people going after the two rams that are left. What what does that kind of hunt do other than give Alaska a bad yeah. name? And yeah. I'm trying to change that. You know, as far as even my price structure. Well, that's and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. and it, which I want to get to in a minute. One other before I forget, because I think I was going to bring it up with Matt. We were talking to Jerry Lee's a while back. Um, he he, I think he had brought it up about actually Matt Herkstroder's ram that was had just look. You know, there was some dispute on the age rings, and there's always like we yeah. you know, we talk about this and yes. I don't know why it had never occurred to me. It's like, why, why are we not just like tooth agent every single ram that gets killed? Cut, right. the, cut the bullshit. Yeah. It, then, then it doesn't matter. You know, if we're, you know, like I would, and for a lot of reasons, like I would be willing to pay for a sheep tag as a resident. For sure. Me too. Um, and I think anybody that's serious about it and actually cares would. Right. Um, you know, especially given this, the situation and just how, you know, what, if there's things that can be done to, to help, I think a lot of us are, would be totally willing to do them, but it's gotta me, it's gotta be meaningful. And I mean, shoot, I'd pay for a sheep tag and like you cover the cost of every ram that gets killed. You bring half a lower jaw in and they send it off to get toothaged. Then there's no bullshit. There's no, oh, well this office, I'm t- going to take it right. to this office or that office. Cause this guy's giving me the wrong age or we're disagreeing on that. And if, and especially with age, I think is a little bit more relevant Um, in the current, well, it's probably debatable depending on your perspective, but I, you know, to me, it's a little more relevant now, like the age of Rams and it's, uh, you know, it's like, is this a, an eight year old Ram or a nine year old Ram or someone, if this, if this is a, uh, a seven or an eight, like then there's no debate. There's no like 
Right. <laughs> There's the, you know, the, the age is what the age is. For Even sure. though I think you can, for as, as easily as it often is to like tell how old the age it, a ram is by his horns, you know, it's not enough to hold up in court. <laughs> no. And I, I, I don't think the state, I think that they, on when, when folks do shoot these rams that they should have been shooting because of age and it's not even close to full curl, you know, it's cut and dry to me. Yeah. Um, when it's not, when it's close, there probably should be more than, there should be a panel, you know, because. But then, but then again, if you got a tooth, it's not a debate. Without question there. Yeah. If that's something, I didn't know that they could. Well, yeah, they can, I think they can toothache just about anything, yeah. but you, I think it's like a low, a low, some, a certain lower jot. I'm not an expert, but right. if you just, you know, have to bring out whatever specimen is required for them to get an accurate age, like I could go along with that. For sure. And then, uh. You know, because this year, you know, it was a lot hot. Like, I think 40% of the Rams were seven seven and six or seven and younger, which yeah. is, like, that's kind of alarming. I mean, be, considering it was a pretty minuscule number of Rams that was killed in general yeah, and, and, a, I, and a minuscule number of sheep hunters, half yeah. the hunters that there were a couple of years ago. Like, in some ways it's alarming. In other ways it's like, eh, like, maybe I could be persuaded that it's really not that Right, if you've got Many, less, right, um, percentage-wise of folks out there. But, I mean, yeah, I would be all, I'd be all for paying my own way to age age a sheep. Because then you get these, you know, you get these proposals where, you know, to eliminate aging is a method of of legality. You know, so a 12, you know, like the 12-year-old ram that Frank killed two years ago wouldn't, or three, what? A number of years ago, right, would not be legal because he wasn't full curl, even though he was like on death's door, right. Um, I, I and, don't, and you're like, I don't think there's that many people shooting sublegals trying to age them and shooting sublegals. I'm sure a few. I'm sure just as many sublegals are shot because the person just gets excited and makes them full curl when they really aren't. That is where it's at. It's not. I. I you got to look at it that they're probably not ever used to looking through a spotting scope to even, I mean, I've seen some inexperienced sheep hunters tell them, look, oh, look at this one. He's, you know, 13 years old. I'm like, no, he's not even close to that. <laughs> well, you see it on Facebook every day. <laughs> oh, oh, I, yeah, I'm talking in person, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm like, I, I think the biggest thing is just full, cur- they don't, they think that's full curl. It's yeah. not, they're looking at a lip circle. Uh, they, you know, yeah. on a wrong angle and on and on and on. And it's easy to do. And especially when you're less experienced, a lot of people just tend to want to be that. Sh- you want that sheep to be legal so bad right. that you've, you know, if you don't have some kind of reality check, like you don't, <laughs> you end up talking yourself into thinking yes, he's something he's not. Exactly it's like, right. um, you don't even, my, you know, my years of, exp- you know, hunting experience on sheep you don't even if he doesn't pop out that you know that's an illegal ram yeah i'm not even going to entertain even going because you know i i know some experienced dudes they okay we'll go take a closer look and you're three or four miles into the stock and you just keep talking yourself into yeah that's going to be legal i've heard it many times and then uh, I, I made a mistake i shot out you know if he's not close to legal, don't even waste your time. Yeah. 
I mean, flat out. It doesn't, I don't, I don't get it, but. But that's an example of a rule that like, of a proposal that is just. I didn't read complete, that one. 12 well, yeah. year old, I mean. Well, it's basically, well, it's, it just eliminates, it's, it says they have to be legal by full curl or double broomed. Yeah. That's. Age, which, well, obviously, you know. Most of the rams that were killed, the vast majority were legal, and yep. a lot of those were seven year old. Like, yes. just the, the the whole aspect, and this like you do need like caution people. Like, all right, be very careful about aging, or like I don't recommend like unless you really know what you're doing and it's the right situation to shoot a sheep on age. Mm-hmm. But I think people should I think people should learn how to age sheep and learn what mature sheep and or you know what six seven eight. Yeah, nine-year-old sheep. A guy look like, like Frank knows for sure that is above eight years old. Is he going to? Me too. I'm not going to 100 percent peg him. Oh, that's going to be a 12 year old ram. Yeah, but it's going to go yeah. one way or yeah. a, 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 one year older or younger. But is he well past eight years old? Yeah. Yes, there is no question. And my buddy Jeremy um, killed a ram in the Brooks a few years ago that I don't know is full curl. But he's one of these deep dropping rams. He's real close if he's not. I can't remember if he was or not. But he's an eleven year old ram. Yeah. And again, we're gonna let a ram like that die on the hillside because a guy like Jeremy is going to kill a ram. Yeah. Each year. But when he can choose an eleven year old, and I use the you know I use this seven year old. Hopefully, the last seven year old ram I killed. Um, it got like. Things went kind of hay because we shot. He was in the group with that twelve-year-old, and there was two other Rams that I'm pretty sure were eight or that I I know were eight or nine, but I just hadn't had the chance to really look at them good. Right, and that one was a no-brainer legal one, and that just in the heat of the moment you make quick decisions, and I decided to shoot him. Yeah, but uh, like just the the idea that oh I've got a bunch of sheep in front of me, and there's one that I can tell is an old mature Ram. But he may not, or he's close, or he may not be full curl. But there's, you know, a younger one that I know that I know is sub eight years old. Right. Yeah, it's. But I, I do think, regardless, people should. It's beneficial to learn, like, and really study, like, what a mature ram looks like. Like this ram versus the one that was next to him. You know, we were kind of above him. Was the first close look we ever had at him. Yeah. And just looking at him and. You know, you counted rings and knew that they were there. Plus, there was one that was right next to him that was a clear seven. And you just see the difference in body structure and everything. You can't. That's another. I I think that's overlooked a lot is the body structure. Yeah, it's like a deer. I mean, a people big... people go all or get wild about that for white-tailed deer. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the, my first, when I'm looking at, super long range away that I, even my spotters are not, you know, telling me it's, they're too far away, yeah. miles away. Yeah. But if I can see a body size, uh, you know, I'll tend to head that direction. Yeah. If, you know, but if I don't see that, if I see just a bunch of rams in a group that I can visually see that they're all about the same size and nothing is, you know, propor- proportionally yep. bigger. I might pass them, you know, but a big bodied ram, I, they're, they're all, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna say they're always legal, but I think that is a huge indicator. Oh, the yeah, big sure. bodied rams, I'm, you know, the pot belly, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 
it just seems like that eight-year full curl, whatever, they just, something happens to that and they just grow up and do, you know, yeah. I, I've never killed a ram that, oh, you know, that wasn't a big bodied. I, I got another good buddy, uh, Billy, that is a guide and he killed a ram this year that was a old bones showing actually this was last year 22 bones showing 12 year old ram that would never never yeah. passed that so and um anyway he had a uh he had a uh you know if you'd have looked at that use my my rule there he would have passed him on by yeah. but he'd he'd seen him closer he could see that he was a good ram and, nice. yeah but well, you, I know you got to get split here in a second. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what's your, your, so you're kind of approaching it differently with your, the way you're pricing, thinking you're lining up your I stuff. I am. I, um, I, this just comes from a business standpoint of my gun building business. I produce a product, I get paid for a product. Here you go. You know, that's, Business, yeah. right? Any small, you know, contractor builds a house, he gets paid for that house. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go into the ethics of, well, you're just selling an animal. Yes, I'm selling an experience, a hunt, or whatever. I just don't think that the first-time non-resident sheep hunter who's hiring a guide is most of them are not they've been had the experience in the wood yeah they are coming for a sheep and i fundamentally cannot just charge somebody something without some kind of guarantees on that <laughs> well especially so what you're what you're doing is ba- basically looking at charging just a base rate and then a trophy fees which kind is of substantially type. more yeah. than other trophy fees yeah you know this outfit that it's I've, not like a $25,000 hunt with a $3,000 trophy fee. It's, it's, right. Yeah, it's kind of mine is it covers my time in the field, all the other little overhead things that you have mm-hmm. as a business owner, licenses, your permit fees, m- me getting out there. You know, there's going to be that. So um, I'm going to charge that, but I'm going to charge a substantial amount trophy fee for a sheep and alaska has gotten a bad name you know that on our sheep population is going the canadian side is getting the same thing yeah they are not immune to this and it's something that i try to tell people but they don't want to listen it just doesn't register right oh well that's they do have some good points there's not as much resident pressure over there and i get that but Residents are not killing the sheep here. It is Mother Nature, and it's doing the same thing in the Canadian side too. Yeah, here nor there. I think sheep hunts in Canada will be north of sixty thousand in the next dolls by twenty six. Our our sheep hunts in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuges, you know, federal concessions are going to be in the high high to mid forties. I mean, I know that for a fact, and with no guarantees, nothing. Uh, this hunt was the first year, first person I, this unsuccessful one that I wasn't able to provide. I really felt guilty. And I knew for a fact this outfitter I worked for wasn't going to give any money back. Not even, I wasn't even going to approach the subject. Yeah. So, yeah, my my thing is, look, um, 
is Alaska down? Yes, it is. If you work hard, can you get Rams? Yes, you can. You can. And I'm willing to back that up. You know, I'm not going in the woods for free without something, you mm-hmm. know, but, um, and that's that first base rate. Yeah. And I'll just throw it out there. I'm, I'm doing a $8,000 base rate. Hey, to take, for me to go in the field to take a non-resident, it's 8000 bucks. To um, fly out there, I'm going to split the cost with, you know, it's an airplane's mm-hmm. about $4,000 to where I'm wanting to fly to. 2000 of it's going to come from the alf- from me, and 2000 will be the client. And they're going to pay that directly too, though. So that's mm-hmm. not even going to be part of me. And then I'm going to charge $20,000 for a kill fee. Which would put your overall price at, at about what, what everyone's... Actually, what, you're correct. You know, and they're... Sheep hunts on state land right now, anywhere from twenty five to thirty two, but you're getting charged that no matter yeah. what. Yeah, I, I want to change that up, and I've really taken a bunch of shit from it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Well, I mean, I mean it th- threatens the status quo. Maybe <laughs> here's the here's the ones that I was really shocked about were these non resident hunters who would. Look like they were experienced sheep hunters telling me how bad that's not going to work or this and that. And or I'm like, like, why isn't it going to work? Well, because if you do this and you have these set ranges, I'm like, look, if I... Well, you have a hunt contract. I have a hunt contract to, that yeah. it's like, look, it's not necessarily a trophy fee, Tyler. It is a opportunity. Because guys, hey, I'm... I'm I'm contracting a hunt for you to kill a legal ram in Alaska. I think any sheep hunter should be able to shoot to 400 yards. Would I try to get closer? Yes. At 300, I don't get any closer. Even if I can get to 100 yards, I don't get any closer. 300 yards, I sit down and I shoot. I'm going to hit him 100% of the time. 400 yards, I am. But I feel that hunters coming up here should be proficient at 400 yards. Am I going to want some dude to shoot 400 yards and it's blown? No, I'm not. And I'll be able to, you know, articulate that there. But it's an opportunity. I've presented this legal ram. If you don't want to shoot this legal ram, I have done what I've contractually obligated to do for you. We'll continue hunting until the end of this hunt. I will try my best to get you something better. But at that point, I've I've shown you, oh, that's never going to work. You know, you're going to have so many problems. Why would somebody do that? I'm like, I'm still giving you a guarantee up to that point. Yeah. These other ones, we don't have any guarantees. We're going to hunt, you know, we're going to do our best, which I'm still going to do the best I can to try to get something. Most but of the time you could still get shankstered. <laughs> dang right. You can. And I'm, I'm a responsible dude. Yeah. I'm taking two guys at the most a year. You know, I, I want to have time for my own hunts. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got a couple grizzly hunts. I want to well, do. And that's part to me. That's, you know, knowing you for so long that's part of it's a as much enjoyment it's not it's not the um, commercial money making wheel no i'm not for you as yeah <laughs> i um and for the most part i mean i'm not going to put a blanket policy that a guys with a bunch of money are the problems because they're not that's not what i'm trying to say here but i'm also trying to look out for the 9 to 5 worker who's saved a long time and I'm getting all kinds of messages about this, that they'll never afford $60,000, $40,000. That's just not something that they're willing 
to be able to do, and they won't. And most of these guys are the ones that are in shape. I don't have, they're mm-hmm. good dudes. I don't have to deal a lot with, you know, they're going to be able to pack their own stuff in. They're going to be able to pack their own stuff out without complaining. I, you know, I, so again, if I got to lower my rates to, to get dudes like that here, I'm okay with that, you know, yeah. but, um, I just want to have a guarantee and that's going to be kind of even on my other hunts too, you know, grizzly hunts. I plan to do go hunts that I want to, I just fundamentally don't believe that I should be paid a, for a service that I can't provide, you know? So I don't know how that's going to ruffle feathers, but I, I was actually taken back by some of the comments that I had posted about that, that a, a lot of them came from dudes that had been doing this for a long time, but the amount of positive feedback that I got from kind of the guys maybe that I want to hunt with, it, yeah. it made it worth it. Good. Is there any way uh, people get a hold of you or... Um, you you. know, I, as I've told a lot of these guys that have have expressed interest until I have my guide license in hand, you know, I, this is just, this is kind of pre-planning. Correct. And I hope to have a 2024 hunt this year. There shouldn't be any issue. I get the test in March. I'm going to have all my permits lined up with it, with the Alaska state land side Mm -hmm. of the house lined up. My insurance side of the thing will be lined up. I, I don't think there will be any problems with that, but, um, you know, I I did a stuff off a of rock slide. I'm, I'm yeah. familiar with that yeah. there. And, you know, I have two accounts there. They I don't know how they've gotten on my phone. It's double broom mountain rifles yeah. all spelled out. And when I'm on the computer, it's DBMR. I, I don't know why it's one didn't link to the other, but anyways... Um, I've been very vocal over the years on sheep hunting on that. I, mean, I, I, I have. I, I have felt that outfitters need to be responsible on them selling permits to these unsuspecting non-residents who want to come sheep hunting, who've saved for years and years and years, and these dudes know damn well they're not going to be able to fill those, you know, mm-hmm. especially here in the last three years. Yeah. Since our big 2020 winter. Uh, yeah. Since then, is just, you know— the winters have been hard, and back before that, it was it was not hard to fill yeah. sheep tag. I really, I mean, no. If you were in shape, you could do it. And but now that's and they're still trucking on. Yep. And uh, it is just going to be difficult for a it. While. It will be, and I think it'll bounce back. You know, I I know some local guys here uh, that I talk to quite a bit, and hey, they're in the. 40s and 50s, we had some issues here. And, yeah, big time. Well, yeah. and in the 90, well, the cra- in the Central Alaska Range in 1990, the crash was as bad or a little bit worse than it is now. And look where we're and it re- rebounded to like just a ram factory. Yep. But uh, it's yeah, it's I it's just is it sucks. I'll, it's not you know, it's not cool, but it, it no, I know that shit happens. You know, you know, you're like looking at the. As time and years fly by, you're just praying that I hope I'm still able to get around when this population, you know, is on the upswing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's some of my older sheep hunting buddies that are worried about that. I'm like, this might be it for me. I'm not going to ever be able to have another easy sheep, if there is such thing as an yeah. easy sheep hunt. I know what you, I know what you mean, though. Right. And, um, you know, I... 
in my pricing structure, even when we're in good days, will still be the same. Yeah. I, I just feel that you, you got to, you know, produce a product. Now, if your base hunt starts out already lower than everybody, no, that's not going to be that way. So yeah, maybe it's a gamble. People can choose that. Hey, I'm going to pay this amount with no guarantee or I'm going to mm-hmm. pay this little amount. But if I'm successful, it's going to be the same price as everybody else. Yeah. That's what, you know, and I'm a new guy in the business side of having my own business. I'm not new in this sheep hunting community. These yeah. guys that I'm working for, I've been sheep hunting a decade longer than them. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll i put my knowledge against most of these Alaskan outfitters that are younger than me, without yeah. question. I don't care what they're, you know, I, I chose the military route. If I had chose the guiding route at my younger time, I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be in a different position right now. But I chose a different career path, But and I use the... Um, sheep hunting and whatnot and coming to Alaska is, is a hobby that's turned into something I love. It just is you, yeah. you know, you're the same, you know, you, we have, you know, there's a lot of these guides that are out there that they do this as a living. I don't know if they have the passion for it that you and I do. I have a, some of them do, I'm sure, but probably not everybody. The guys that I work for, some of them, I can't say that they don't have a passion. They just, it just, it's the almighty dollar. Well, it's just probably, it's, and I'm sure everyone gets affected by it to a degree, but just the commercializing something that you're very passionate about, like it, it, it has some downsides. It does. And I want you to reel me in if you ever see me acting that way, Tyler. Oh, I will. I, I seriously, I don't ever want to <laughs> yeah. be accused of that. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I I just don't. I don't want that. You know, that's a. I mean, I straight up worked for these. Two, oh, that's ten thousand dollars right there. Back when I first started guiding. Yeah, that's ten thousand dollars there on that hillside. Yeah, I'm like, come on now. I, I only worked for that guy one year, yeah. but you know, uh, it was it was just that way. I don't ever want to be accused of that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I'll let you, I don't want to make you late. Oh, so that's all right, man. We'll wrap up. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming over, man. Of course, brother. It's always good to see thanks you. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, yeah. Everybody, if you uh, enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it. If you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on and uh, tune in next time. Thank you.